Torch Ross, so I can't do that. Woo! Stevie ain't love the kids. He sure does. No, you look like a great boy. <laughs> Big old great. You're not supposed to get it for trying. You're supposed to get it for real. It's some dogs. Ain't no buttons. The Back Judge Podcast. The Back Judge Podcast. Week six. Had a nice pre-show conversation to get us nice and uh, lubricated, as Lee's, Lee likes to say. Oh, yeah, baby. Yep. Conversation's flowing. We're lubed up. We're ready to go. Let's keep the momentum going. I feel great. Well, keeping the momentum going. BJP trivia, baby. Let's get it. I, I, I just thought of a player today, and I was like, I got to share this one uh, with, with the Murray brothers. Uh, of course, if you haven't heard back judge trivia before, usually it's me. I think of a player, and uh, I put out three hints, and we see uh, which Murray boy gets it first. Uh, as always, fellas, if you're ready to move on to the next hint, let me know, and I'll, I'll give it to you. But let's start it off with this player was the fifth overall pick in the 2000 NFL draft, Y2K, and spent his entire career in the AFC North. AFC North. TJ no. Usmazada? No, 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 no. He's a seventh round pick. Um, I had to throw it out there. Is it? I knew he played for. Is it Court? Is it Courtney Denver. Brown? He's not. See, two pre two thousand two is like I'm a little dicey on the draft. All the other yeah, ones, definitely. I could get a top. I thought it was going to be Cadillac. Jamal it Lewis. Is. Holy smokes! Wow. Let's go! Let's wow. go, man! Let's go! I got really excited on that one. Yeah, that was a good guess. That would have taken me a while to get there. I was because I was thinking you you guys were totally right with Hushmanzada. Like he was not an early pick, and then I was thinking, okay, who else? Because if he's the fifth pick, he had to have been somewhat iconic on one team, and then like had a, a later career on another team. And I was thinking running backs and Jamal Lewis, man, the Browns. He had that yeah, stint yeah, with the Browns. Yeah, he started with the Ravens. I was after had the, the Ravens. Ninety-five yard game against the future uh, team that he would be playing for, the Browns. And uh, they had a 2,000-yard rushing season. Uh, I was so – He was awesome. I was so ready to – I was so ready to scream Cadillac Williams at the top of my lungs when you said fifth overall pick in 2000, and I thought it was going to be 2005. But, hey, let's that, on to the next dude, one, as Hova would say. That was like the running back era, man. Like the yeah. early 2000s where Free you could get like a running back early and like – Yeah, that's when – RBs you know, are, just get after it. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah, I miss those days, man. Well, 2005, just a little side note. It'll come full circle. The running backs will be back, well, if man. You, I don't know about that, but 2005, I think you had you had Ronnie Bell go number three. Then you had Cadillac Williams go number five, I believe. And there's another guy that I'm, maybe Cedric Benson, I think, was in the top ten as well. So, R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah, a whole lot of running backs gone. Uh, great way to start the show, fellas. It's week six in the NFL, no Thursday night well, that's football. that's it? What'd you say? That's it? Yeah, I know. We're not doing best two out of three? No, no, no. I only had one. No, winner take all, one. bro. Take yeah. that L. Sit on a, that for a little bit, a Tommy. Spot, on the spot thought this morning just about Jamal Lewis and the old ground and pound, you know, clock management, running backs. Just uh, Shout out Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, had, had, to, had to bring it back out. So week six NFL action, no Thursday night football. So all of these games are on Sunday, and then we get that Monday night doubleheader, that Thursday night Kansas City Chiefs and Bills game being moved to the early Monday window. Kind of interesting how the NFL is almost, I mean, taking COVID and 
making people excited about just football at any possible time. Yeah, making people excited about NFL football is not a not a hard thing to do. I do want to say, um, kind of ridiculous that they slate all these games at one o'clock, and then the two afternoon games are the Jets Dolphins and then Packers Buccaneers. It's like the Packers Buccaneers game in my eyes is almost like a primetime afternoon game because I'm not I don't care about Joe Flacco and the Jets playing the Dolphins. So it's almost like you have all these one o'clock games, your primetime afternoon, and then your primetime night game, which. You know, it is what it is. I'm not really thrilled with uh, with the way they're doing that. But, hey, money talks. <clears throat> no thoughts, Tommy? Yeah. I mean, I was gonna, just going to say, COVID, COVID, or as Taylor Lewan likes to call it, adversity. You guys see that clip? Is that what he's is that, The Titans is are that ridiculous, man. I mean, they posted a, a video, like a highlight tape of them, like, coming back as if they, like, didn't violate a bunch of protocols and, like, that. I don't well, know. did, I mean, did whole, you see the, whole, the Taylor the whole, Lewan thing? Yeah, yeah. And then he's on the field, like, saying, like, oh, they didn't, like, whatever. They were, I don't, I don't know. It's, we don't know all the facts. The NFL is still looking into it. But, like, they practiced when they were bailed out of their facility and told, like, not to gather. So it's just, like, I'm not sure how many cases came from those, like, off-field practices just, like, by people. But it's just, like, somewhat ridiculous to act as if your, like, negligence was somehow stack the world against you. Uh, I don't know. Well, quite frankly, they're lucky they didn't have to forfeit two yes. games. The fact that you they're know. lucky that they, you know, totally the forfeit, but, like, no loss of draft picks, it looks like there's no repercussions right now, which is, I mean, obviously, Clep, you said it's an ongoing investigation. We'll have to see, but I'd be shocked if they come out of this unscathed, especially if they were as negligent as it seems they were. Yeah, I mean, well, then too. I mean, I, I'd have a hard time imagining that this doesn't happen a couple more times this year. I mean, I'd be pretty shocked if we don't have another yeah. Tuesday night game at at some point. And the idea of this season, you know, being totally fair, I think, is kind of out the window. I mean, some teams are going to have fans, some aren't. It's kind of just about making sure that things stay the course and still bringing in the money and everything. It's a it's a business at the end of the day. But let's do get into this week six action. We're going to start out with the Bears visiting the Panthers. Whew, my, my Panthers, baby. Three and two, well on their way to, to six wins, as we talked about well over the summer. And the Bears, uh, they beat the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. It was an uh, interesting game. I mean, the Buccaneers seemed to control the whole thing through the first half and then fell apart <clears throat> as the game went into the third and fourth quarter. And... I don't know, man. The Bears are just like such a fraud to me. I can't believe it. They're four and one. They're one of the most boring teams to watch ever. They don't do anything that's exciting. They have solid defense, and then occasionally Nick Foles, you know, comes out of a coma and is able to lead a drive uh, that that is successful. I'm gonna ride with my Panthers, baby. Let's have both of these teams sitting at four and two after week six. Spread is one and a half. Uh. My heart says Panthers, but my head says Bears, honestly. I, I've been picking against the Bears for too long. I love what the Panthers are doing, but I'm not quite sold that uh, that they're going to get to the 4-2 and two start. I totally respect the pick. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if they won. Um, I think the Panthers, they kind of were unimpressive to me. They closed out the game well, but they really fell asleep for the third quarter and gave a porous Falcons team a... A f- more than a few opportunities to get back into that game. And I think 
when you're playing a team like the Bears, they kind of get back into that game. If they've proven anything, it's that. And they may be boring. They may be kind of slow. But, hey, man, they got a solid defense. It's bend, don't break. They're great in the red zone. I think Matt Nagy's a good coach, honestly, at the very least. Um, you get a little more experience on this Bears side. And I think this is the best defense Teddy Bridgewater is going to have gone up against in the past three weeks, which isn't saying much, but the the Cardinals and the Falcons' defenses are two, I think, bottom five defenses in the NFL. So I think the Panthers are in for a bit of a tougher test, assuming McCaffrey isn't playing. I don't know how much he moves the needle, but I just think the Bears are going to overall execute, and it's going to be close in the fourth quarter, but mm-hmm. the Bears are going to make one or two more plays in this game. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know what I think about this te- these, this game because I kind of view both of these teams as frauds. In the Panthers, I'm starting to eat a little bit more crow on than I ever would have thought. But the Bears, I think we all can agree, um, you know, their 4-1 record is not really uh, indicative of how good of a team they are. And, you know, they do have a scrappy defense. And Foles, it seems to be, you know, he is a slight upgrade over Trubisky, but it just kind of comes down to him being able to make the big throws and the big plays like that throw to Montgomery to kind of put the game out of reach, uh, you know, to set them up for field, or it was to put the game out of reach, I guess. He just can make those big-time throws that it seemed like Trubisky couldn't do. And then on the other side of the ball, I think, you know, the Panthers' defense is kind of starting to come together. I always thought, you know, that they had the talent on offense and the offensive weapons, but Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is playing really good football right now and is playing like a top-15 quarterback in the NFL. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to pick the bears. Uh, I really just have, I have no lean in this game either way. I think I'm just going to pick the bears because I think their defense is a little bit better and, uh, I'll give the Panthers a slight edge on offense, but I think this is kind of a wash and I have no interest in really playing this. Um, the total kind of seems about right. I guess I might lean over at 45 and a half just cause I could see this pan, this Panthers offense, I think couldn't put up points and, you know, I just want to. I kind of, you know, I my whole thing with the Panthers was I liked, you know, some of the pieces that they had. I was down on the defense. I liked Matt Rule, but thought and and Joe Brady a lot too, who's definitely going to be a head coach next year. Um, I really liked what they had going, but I didn't, you know, with the short and off season, I was kind of going against the, you know, continuity and everything like that. But you know, they've been no doubt have been impressive, but I just think the Bears offer a little bit higher of a floor, so I won't be touching this game at all. But I'll I'll lean Bears. I'll be picking them. Let me just put this in the prophecy. Bears aren't making the playoffs. Yep. I I saw something. Um, I couldn't find it in any of my books, but if you can still bet on uh, final placement, I would take the Vikings over the Bears to finish second. You know, if you can get the Vikings kind of climbing uphill right now, and obviously the Lions, you know, I don't know what for whatever they're worth, but um, I yeah, I'm completely with you, Clep. I think the Bears... I think you guys are kind of haters, to be honest. I am a Bears At this hater, point, right? it's just like the... The the Bears are the Bears are just getting it done, man. Like they're four and one. They win against the Panthers. They have five wins going into week seven. Like, I think they make the playoffs if that's the case. I mean, sure, you know, they have a tougher schedule going ahead, but I don't think the Vikings beat them twice. I think they probably will beat the Lions. Even if they don't beat the Lions, like this is not a team that's going to like bow down to the Saints, the Titans, and in the Rams of the world. Like I just think that they're going to kind of be in every game. Um, and I, I don't know if, you know, I'm not necessarily sold that they're going to like be a playoff team. And I think that they're absolutely, their record doesn't indicate who they are as a team. I think they're more of like a three and two team, but I think they're absolutely going to be in the mix come playoff time at the very least. Let's go on to this Bengals Colts 
matchup. And these are two teams definitely coming off of last week that I've somewhat sold stock in a little bit. I thought the Bengals would compete a little bit more against the Ravens, and really they just laid down uh, and got crushed by Baltimore. And the Colts, I was expecting them to beat the Browns, although I've seen some stuff from Phillip Rivers that makes me concerned. And defense in this league at this point, even though the Colts have been well, or played well on that side of the ball, it can just kind of be uh, week to week on, on how you play defense in, in this league so far in 2020. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with the Colts here. Um, definitely disappointed in the Bengals after last week. They've definitely you know been in most of the games they played in this year, but it really you know wasn't even close in, in the Ravens game from the first snap. So um, I'll, I'll side with the Colts. They're, they're minus seven and a half again. I'm just not really feeling uh, this line at all either way. But just in terms of winning the game, I'll, I'll stick with Indy. Uh, Lee, I mean, you were you were big on the Colts, I guess, kind of going into this year a little bit. Are you somewhat concerned about what Philip Rivers has shown uh, so far? Yeah, I think anyone who is, I think a lot of people were big on the Colts, first of all. And any if anyone's not concerned, I think that's like a problem. Like, he's not playing well at all. Um, honestly, he doesn't really even need to do that much for them to win. Like, he throws one less interception in that game. Maybe they beat the Browns. It's like a pick six. It's such a huge play for the Browns. Um, he's not playing well, like I said. I mean, he's looking like the he, he's absolutely over the hill. He's looking like his best days are far, far behind him. And um, the Colts are just getting tougher and tougher to back every week. Um, I still think they'll absolutely be in that eight-win, nine-win conversation. Um, I think they'll smack up on the Bengals. Uh, probably won't bet it, but if I had to, I'd take the Colts minus 7.5. I think the, the Colts are a good example of a team that's just going to beat the crap out of teams that are bad um, because they have a solid offensive line and run game. And as long as Rivers is you know, not throwing pick sixes, they should be able to control the scoreboard against teams that are clearly inferior on both sides of the ball. So i like them to win against Cincinnati in a get-right spot. But, um, but yeah, absolutely I'm concerned about, about the Colts moving forward. They're, you know... With each week that they uh, kind of reveal themselves more and more um, and the Titans look better and better, this division's kind of slipping out of their fingertips. Yeah, um, this is kind of what I thought about the Colts all along. Um, you know, it came down to Phillip Rivers, and he's showing that, you know, the fact that he has a better offensive line and maybe the sub, some subpar weapons compared to what he had in, with the Chargers, uh, he still is. He's he's in that breeze category, except he doesn't have the same processing and and you know decision making. Like his, he's a dead arm. Um, this is, is going to be his last year as a starting quarterback, I think. Um, the defense, I think, has kind of regressed to the mean. We saw it last. And and Lee, you mentioned the the pick six, the pick sixes and the turnovers that happened last week against Cleveland. But Baker kept them in the game too with with the picks that he threw towards the end of the game, and they just couldn't really get the job done. Um, I already took the Bengals plus eight in a teaser up to 14. I still would take them. I'm getting a little conservative with my plays and doing some teasers right now, but I think if you can get them on the other side of seven, I think it's a good play. Um, they got a better quarterback in Joe Burrow. The pass rush on the edges isn't there as much with the, the Colts. Obviously, DeForest Buckner is, is you know a game wrecker in the inside, but I still think this Bengals team is going to be able to compete with this Colts team offensively. I still like their weapons. I still like their offense, and I think they do have a bit of a scrappy defense. And I like the over in this game as well. I think that we're going. There's going to be some points in, um, in this game, and I think 46 is just a little low. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I definitely think the Colts are going to win, but I take the Colts. I got them at plus eight. I take them at plus seven and a half and over 46, I think is a good play as well. Lee, this is, uh, so this next game, Lions and Jaguars, uh, some, some big news just broke uh, for this one. And that is uh, young Will junior at Flagler university undergrad is going to be making the trip north 45 minutes <laughs> to, to TIA Bank Field or whatever it is up in up in Jacksonville, the, the house that's sad Conville, and we'll be sitting in the bleeders. Found tickets for 25 bucks. That's heartwarming news, man. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. And shout out Will. Shout out young Will Klepp, um, respectable Lions fan, going up to see his team play. Uh, you know, free, you gotta love it. You gotta love the commitment. You and the the Bears fan getting in the fight about Glennon and Trubisky. Well, hey man, I'm so glad that I could be a part of the growth in Will's in the development of Will as a Lions fan and a Bears hater because I was spitting facts to that man. The real uh, up in the real question is section. The real question is: Is he gonna follow Big Bro's lead and be absolutely buckled in the Florida heat up in the bleeders come he's second quarter? He's up there, so I think he's gonna be responsible. All right, there's good, no good, good uh, on calling him. in Mr. and Mrs. Klepp to, to drive the Rutan home <laughs> after a Chiefs Chiefs uh, Lions loss. <laughs> oh man, that's a little something called reinforcements, baby. Uh, but hey, I'm picking the Lions. Minus three and a half. I don't know. I just think that Stafford is is good enough to throw three touchdowns against this Jaguars team, and I think Minshew will play well enough. I mean, he's proven that he's definitely a, a guy who can pour, perform in this league. And the Lions' defense is uh, a disgrace to to football. But um, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it just because uh, this game just reeks of horribleness. I mean, both. Lions and Jaguars fans probably don't feel confident about their teams going into this one. And I mean, neither has reason to, but um, I'll, I'll take the Lions minus three and a half. I think they'll go to two and three or two and four. Uh, I don't know, whatever. I, I, I'm i selling hard. Like I, I, told, I texted Lee earlier this week. They need to turn Allen Park into a radio shack. Everything must go. Clearance. Um, but I don't want I don't want Quinn and Patricia making those decisions. I think that they really need to, to make a change fast. And so the quicker they lose games, the faster that will happen. So um, I've never been one to root against the Lions just for the purposes of a draft slot. But uh, in terms of getting rid of Quinn and Patricia, um, I think that's uh, as important as ever. So yeah, um, unfortunately, I'm I'm with you, Clep. Change the uniforms, uh, bring in a new quarterback. Everything must go. Uh, I'll say the Lions win 27-24. They'll win by three. Yeah, I'm on the Lions as well, coming off the bye. Um, you know, not much to add from what you guys said about the personnel. And, you know, this team is they, – they need a restart. They need a restart. But coming out of the bye against a Jaguars team that I think they should be able to run the ball against and, and – and you know what? Another thing that I want to talk about is Stafford is, has not been that good this year. And I don't want to – I feel like we've – at least the most, the majority of the Lions fans that I talked to, the quarterback rankings that we did this year, I had Stafford kind of in that elite top 10 tier, and he hasn't looked like it. And, 
you know, I thought that the Lions were going to kind of, you know, them, them and the Cowboys were similar teams in the facts that their defense defenses were going to keep them in games and their offense offenses were going to have to, you know, drive the boat. And I don't know, you know, how much of it is you guys watch more Lions games than I do. I don't know how much of it is a coaching breakdown or, you know, to, to me it seems like Stafford is not playing at a very high level right now and at least not like the level that he was playing at last year. Um, so maybe he needs a fresh start as well, but I think this is a great spot for him against the Jaguars secondary that I think their defense all around, I think can really be taken advantage of. Um, so I think this is a big, you know, maybe bounce back game for him and a statement win for the Lions overall. Yeah. I mean, not to get too deep into this rabbit hole, Tommy, but I think yeah, you're absolutely right that, um, especially compared to the first nine games that Stafford played last year, uh, he's not playing at that level. Um, I think, a part of it is the fact that a lot of the mistakes he's made this year to me have been plays where he's tried to force things. And I think that's just natural when you look at what's happening on the defensive side of the ball and you feel like you have to go in there and put up 40 points a game if your team has any hope of winning. Uh, and then the other part of it is, you know, for as much as Lee and I have praised Daryl Bevel and as much as I believe the offense is better with him as the OC than it ever was with even, you know, Scott Linehan, obviously Jim Bob Cooter, um, for some reason, this offense just like falls asleep um, for periods in the game, whether it be you know in the second quarter or the third quarter, or they'll come out hot and then just all of a sudden start having like a couple three and outs. They just have this weird thing where they kind of fall apart um, in certain parts of the game, and uh, it, it's frustrating to watch. Stafford definitely isn't playing. Um, at the level that he was last year, but to, to say that he's not playing well enough for this team to be better than one in three, um, I think it is wrong. I mean, I, I, I truly believe that if there was a competent, you know, co coaching staff and organization kind of around him, there's no reason, and especially just considering the positions they've been, I mean, the Lions have given up three of the biggest, um, I mean, in their three losses, they've given up three of the biggest comebacks of the, you know, of the year against the, the yeah. Bears, Packers, and Saints. So, They've been in position to, to win games, and I don't think it all falls on, on Stafford's shoulders, but you're right that he hasn't played up to that um, expectation. I don't know if you have anything to add, Lee. Yeah, I don't, don't have yeah, anything to add. Um, let's go to the, the, the Falcons and the Vikings. Big news out of Atlanta is that Dan Quinn, uh, no longer the head coach after an 0-5 start. Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, will be taking over the head coaching duties, and they're playing the Vikings, who... I mean, we can talk about the, the math conversation we had. Probably should be two and three at this point, but find themselves at one and four. And in a deep, deep hole that I don't know if they can get out of, I like them to beat uh, the Falcons, even though I think, you know, the week after you get rid of a head coach, I think can help. But Dan Quinn wasn't necessarily Bill O'Brien. I mean, the, the, the players really liked him. The organization really liked him. But it just wasn't working out uh, in terms of results. So... Um, I, I like the Vikings to to win this game again. So far, you know, I haven't really liked any of these lines. The Vikings are four and a half point favorites at home. I wouldn't really bet on it just because these are two teams that can very be very volatile week to week. I would have thought the Falcons' offense would have performed much better uh, against the Panthers' defense that isn't exactly great. Um, Matt Ryan seems to have lost a step as well. I mean, as we're talking about Stafford, two guys that are very similar, drafted um, within a year and play very similar styles of football. So um, I'll, I'll side with the Vikings, but I'm staying away from this one uh, betting-wise. 
Yeah, I'll lay the four and the half, four and a half with Minnesota. I think they're a much better team all around. Um, like Tommy was saying earlier, I don't know if I'm fully on board with the Vikings finishing better than the Bears just because the Bears have such a head start at this point. But I, I don't think it's like a stupid point to make at all. I think the Vikings very well could be in that conversation. Um, you know, it's going to be tough sledding, but this is a team that I think has a better defense than Atlanta and is going to run the ball at will against this Falcons team, um, whether it be Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison. Um, and I just think that the Vikings have a few more things going their way, and Atlanta is kind of already checked out. I don't think the new coach situation is going to be too motivating for the Falcons. And I think the Vikings are going to kind of run away with this one. So I'm fairly confident that the Vikings are going to win. Yeah, Lee, you summed it up. I think I don't believe supposedly Dalvin Cook is doubtful for Sunday, but I think Madison will do, you know, a, a fine job in filling up, filling in for him. Um, you know, the Falcons' run defense is is awful, and even if their offense is able to bounce back, I think that the Vikings are going to be able to put away the game with the run game. Um, and and we're really starting to see the Vikings' offense come together a little bit better. Um, Justin Jefferson, I think, is is doing great, and so is Adam Thielen. Like, I think they have really a two-headed monster going in at receiver. And then on defense, you know, it's a work in progress, obviously, with the young corners that they got and the players in the secondary, but they're not as bad as they were to start off the year, and I think they're starting to come together a little bit more as a unit. Um, I probably won't be playing it, but I'm with Lee, too. If, if you got to lay anything, I'd lay the four-and-a-half with the Vikings. And over 54 um, is kind of enticing, too. I do think there's going to be some points scored here, but probably won't touch it just because... The Falcons' offense has kind of looked a bit anemic, and Clep, you said it. I mean, I was expecting you know them to beat Carolina, but especially in you know their offense to really take advantage of that Carolina secondary. And you know Ryan has not played very well in the past couple weeks, so definitely on the Vikings as well as you guys. The Denver Broncos are traveling to New England in a game that was potentially going to be played on Tuesday, then it was scheduled to be played on Monday, and they ultimately decided to give both of these teams a bye week. Uh, there's a bunch of other kind of schedule changes um, in this week that we haven't really mentioned with uh, you know, the Jets and Dolphins game that we'll talk about later. The NFL is really just kind of shuffling things around, but Cam Newton's supposed to be back. Drew Locke was a full participant in practice, I think, today for the first time, uh, which is good news for his return. Broncos are plus 10, which is a pretty big line, I think, if Drew Locke um, does end up playing. Um, just still, though, with the unknowns of this game, both of these teams coming off a layoff and the Patriots at home, um, I would I would still side with the Patriots and, and kind of stay away from this line as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of a stay away, too. If I had to take something, I'd probably take the Broncos, to be honest. Um, I think they're going to play kind of angry based on kind of the situation they were put in. Uh, I think Philip Lindsay's better than Melvin Gordon, so I don't think losing him is necessarily going to be like uh, a big problem for Denver in terms of their their rushing attack. And you know, I think Denver's still frisky. Um, their only win is against the Jets, but I'm not necessarily like on board with the Patriots being the type of team that's going to like blow teams out right now. Um, I think this one could be kind of close. Definitely think the Patriots are going to win, but um, I don't. It's not. It's not like they're playing. You know the Jets or the Giants or the Redskins or anything like that. So I don't think they're going to blow them out of the water. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not touching this game, and I'm not going to suggest that either of you take the Patriots minus 10. But I do think if Cam is playing, um, which he is playing, right? Like that's the word and everything. He's, yeah, the word he's is cleared he's quarantine and everything. everything yep. Yeah, I mean, I would lean them minus 10 um, 
I don't think the Broncos' defense is very good. And, you know, Ripien or Locke, no, no matter who it is, I just think the Patriots' defense is for real. And Belichick going up against a, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to, you're going to see a, a Jets-esque performance uh, against the Patriots. I think this is a polar opposite situation, especially with the secondary that you have in, in New England. And we saw, you know, whoever it is, Ripien or Locke, they both can be potentially turnover turnover prone. So um, I would take the Patriots minus 10, but I'm not going to touch it, and I will be picking them straight up. All right, boys, let's open this one up. Washington versus the Giants, the big $100 straight-up bet. Uh, I'll, I'll pass it off to you, fellas. I mean, what's what's going on here? This is a big game. It's huge. Yeah, it's a, Lee, it's Lee, it's start a really it off. big game. Start her off. Yeah, I mean, um, it's tough to really have that much confidence on either team. Yep. But uh, honestly, I'm not really I, – I, I guess I, I probably will be panicking somewhat if the Giants lose. Um, I probably, I wouldn't bet on the Giants. I wouldn't bet on Washington. Uh, <laughs> I think this will probably be kind of a, a crap show of a game. Um, but yeah, I like the Giants, man. I'm like pretty confident that the Giants are still going to win more games than Washington. I think Washington is kind of like free falling right now. Um, and the Giants at the very least, like have played teams the past two weeks, like the Giants have played the Rams really competitively and the Cowboys last week, obviously, um, took some late game heroics for, for them to end up winning that game. And the Giants had a couple opportunities to win. They're a team that clearly has trouble closing out games. Um, they don't have a great quarterback. They don't really have a great offensive line. They don't have a lot of things going for them. They got kind of a rally defense, but it's still not very good. Um, but, you know, it's not like they've got world beaters across the line of scrimmage from them. I think, I think the football team uh, is, is just as bad as they are, if not worse. I'm still fairly confident in that. Um, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Daniel Jones, none of those guys really are above the other one. So I think this is kind of just going to be a divisional dirty game that very well may be close in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I expect the Giants to win. Yeah. Do you guys know who's starting for Washington? Is there any word on that? It is Kyle Allen. I mean, you know, hey, Kyle Allen, he was, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a gamer against the Rams. He's got some athleticism, and it looks like he makes, you know, makes some plays. But, again, we saw this last year in Carolina, and it, it kind of fell apart. Um, I probably won't be betting this game either, but I probably would suggest taking whoever the underdog is, and I, that's Washington right now. I mean, if the Giants were plus three, I probably would take them too. I don't understand why this game isn't a pick em. Um And really – the whole inception of me and Lee's uh, Washington Giants debate came from me saying that they were going to have a scrappy defense led by their defensive line. And the Giants, on the other hand, yeah, they have offensive weapons, but their offensive line is awful. And I'll, i got to give the Giants defense credit. They've played a lot better than I thought they were going to. And I kind of panned the James Bradbury signing, and he did a great job last week and the most Giants football I've ever watched. And he pretty much uh, locked down Amari Cooper pretty darn well. Um, but I think that what we've seen with Daniel Jones and his turnovers and the state of this Giants offensive line, Andrew Thomas quietly is the only offensive tackle who's struggling in the first round. All the, the three other guys have really hit the ground running. Andrew Thomas is, has just not had the same success, and I think whether it's Montez Sweat or Chase Young, I, those, those guys are going to eat them for breakfast. So I think this is a big kind of statement, you know, win for the Giants defense really and then on offense um, if Kyle Allen doesn't turn the ball over I'm expecting Daniel Jones you know is going to have at least one turnover probably two turnovers 
Um, but I, I mean, everything Lee said was pretty much spot on. Like this is going to be an ugly game. Um, I'm making a case for Washington right now, but if the Giants win, I completely agree with Lee. It seems to me like Washington's free falling. The, 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 all the momentum that they had coming out of Philly, when like, oh wow, is this going to be a team that's going to be like in the hunt come Week Nine, who has like two or three wins? Um, it, de- it does seem to me that they're free falling and losing some momentum. They seem to be out on Haskins and are now in you know quarterback purgatory. Um, maybe you know that's a heady decision on on their end. Kind of seeing what you know guys like Lee and people who have criticized Haskins all along have said about him and his pro prospects. But um, I will be picking Washington just because I think that they have some more. They just have more game game uh, game changers on the defensive end of the ball and offenses are you know kind of a wash. Like that Giants that Giants defense has some grit to it, but you know so does uh. So does the Washington offense with Terry and Antonio Gibson. So, and I don't, and the Giants don't really have a pass rush either. And Lee's boy Lorenzo Carter, I believe, is out for the year. I think. Yeah, he is. He got carded right against the Cowboys. So. Yeah. He was really their yeah. only effective pass rusher. So, um, I think Washington for sure is a side if you're going to play something. But if the Giants are plus three, I think you can make a good argument for them as well. Uh, I'll I'll kind of be just be leaning Giants. I mean, you saw them. You know, two weeks ago, play close with the Rams and Washington couldn't even really compete with them. I understand that that game was pouring rain, quarterback change, and all this stuff. And uh, you know, we can move on right after this, but not to get too bogged in this one, bogged down in this one, obviously. But um, Lee, not to say that Tommy and I were were low on Andrew Thomas. I still think that you and I thought he was definitely a first round prospect. But uh, you were probably mm-hmm. highest on him as far as tackles and. Uh, he he's struggled so far with the Giants. I think you've been breaking down Giants tape, but just kind of as a refresher, like what did you see in Andrew Thomas that you really liked um, coming out of Georgia, and you know why do you think maybe he's having some of the struggles that he's having compared to guys like you know Wills, Becton, or, or worse? Um, I just thought he was dominant on tape at Georgia, and he stood out in a tough conference. Not that other guys didn't, but you know, it's the small things that kind of make you evaluate those types of things. Um, and honestly, I'm not like that worried about him. I don't think he's like bad. Uh, I just think that <laughs> you throw him on the worst team out of any of those guys, like by a significant margin. Whoa, I mean, Becton's whoa, been good, yeah. but Becton's been injured for the past two weeks. Like he played really well early on and Becton's like a man eater. So he's doing really well. That's great. But, you know, I don't necessarily think it's like panic time to hit the panic button for Andrew Thomas because he's not like eating people alive uh, as the left tackle for the New York Giants. Like, um, you know, I think if you put him on Tampa Bay or the Browns, he's not going to like see this way to them being having like a bad offensive line. Um, I kind of think it's more situational and we'll see as it goes on. And, you know, hopefully he can improve as the season goes on. But, you know, I'm not necessarily like I said, I'm not I'm not really panicking about it. I think he's going to be OK. If I can just say one thing real quick, because I, I don't think I didn't mean to say that like, oh, Andrew Thomas is a bust. I just think it's more of a testament to how special Wills, Becton, and Wirfs have been. I mean, they both have been, They all three of them have been dom- dominant pro ball level players as rookies, and you don't really... really? Wirfs just got his lunch served to him last year. Yeah, he, he had a tough game against Chicago. He got Chicago, his lunch up, served up, to him. Up, how is he a pro bowler? Up I don't until, understand that. Up until that point, he was... Becton has played two games. How is he a pro? Like, all th- he's been great, but it's like he's... I don't understand how these guys those, are like... All three of those players, for the most part, have been three of the better tackles in the NFL when they're healthy. Let's go to the Ravens and the Eagles All right. before, a, before a Murray brother debate breaks out on our hands and we're here for another 15 minutes. Uh, Eagles played the Steelers close last week, but 
uh, a missed field goal and maybe some flags, you know, went their way to keep that one close. They're plus seven and a half at home um, playing Baltimore. And I don't know, man, this, this Ravens team, I, I go back and forth on. I mean, they, they beat seemingly teams that are inferior to them, but then when they play, you know, up to a competition like the, the Chiefs, they, they can't really match it. Um, you know, I'll stick with the Ravens to win it. Seven and a half seems like a lot for, you know, a Philly team that played Pittsburgh pretty tough. So um, I'm not too keen to put money on this one either. Uh, I, I promise we'll get to some games here where I'm, I'm feeling good about some, you know, putting some bets on it. But uh, I'll, I'll stick with the, the Ravens even on the road. But um, I don't know. I, the Eagles, to me, just are a team that is scrappy but don't have the overall offensive talent that makes me feel comfortable with them, you know, being able to win games against opponents that I, I feel that are superior, superior to them. Yeah. Um, boy, the Eagles – it's tough to really make a case for why they're going to be, you know, competing in this game outside of the fact that, you know, I guess they they competed against the Steelers for the most part last week. Um, if I had to, I would probably stay away just because the Eagles are at home and they I still believe in their coaching and I still believe that they're, they're like a frisky opponent who very well could like win a game that they're not supposed to win or, you know, they're the underdog in. I feel like they play a lot better in that role. Um, that all being said... Uh, if I had to choose a side, I, I probably would lean with the Ravens here just because um, I think both of their units are better, and um, I think they understand the importance of winning these games. And, you know, top to bottom, I just have way more confidence in, in them as a team. So I hope, you know, for the sake of the Cowboys not having a cakewalk in that division because they don't deserve it, that the Eagles, like, can compete and, like, get this win, that would be great. But, uh but nothing really that the Eagles have done this year has led me to believe that that is something that can happen. So um, I'm taking the Ravens, but I'd probably stay away from the line. Um, I think this is a clear Ravens spot. Um, I still think the Ravens have the best defense in the NFL in a season where defense, it's kind of hard to point out who's had the best defense in the NFL because te all teams have been scoring. Um I think the Steelers kind of have some weaknesses in the secondary while they do have a really good linebacking core and edge rush. I think that's kind of why the Eagles were able to stay in the game. Um, and also I was hearing some stat about the Steelers are blitzing the most in the league by far, and it kind of leaves their coverage unit out to dry a little bit. And I just think with the Ravens, I think they're the best defense in the NFL. I really love their secondary, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. Um, a lot of, I think, Wentz is going to be a little turnover prone, and then on offense, I just don't, the Eagles defense has, you know, the impression of them in my mind has decreased rapidly, and I just think the Ravens are a little bit like a blue chip. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball, and the only reason they were tough against, I mean, why they lost to the Chiefs is because Lamar Jackson has trouble passing to get back into games, and when it becomes a shootout and they're down, it's going to be hard for Lamar to come in when he has to win with his arm. But I think they're going to be able to run the ball, control the game, and have an early lead. And I hate to pick on your boy, Lee, but Nate Jerry has been like the worst coverage linebacker in the NFL this year. And the, the I mean, he's not my boy because he's like a stellar football. No, player. I know. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I I wanted to avoid. I was just going to say Nate Jerry, but I didn't want to like you know seem That's like I was calling Antoine you out. Blake, but uh, situation there. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's what the, he's the South Dakota snake, what, man. What is Baltimore when Baltimore passes the ball? What is their strength? It's the middle of the field with Mark Andrews, and that's just Philly's biggest weakness. They have no linebackers. I just think this is a clear Ravens play in my mind. Um, if it, I mean, obviously, I would like it under seven. If I sell down to six and a half or something like that, that'd be great, or even tease it down, but. Because uh, I do believe, you know, the Eagles, I still believe that Carson Wentz can make some plays, and I obviously just talked about the defense. But in the end, uh, I just think this is a clear Ravens spot. I still think they're the second-best team in the NF and the AFC, and I think this game script kind of leads to them kind of dominating early and often. The This is finally a game here that I feel good about betting on. Uh, the Browns are visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers are minus three and a half. Uh, at home and I feel confident in the Steelers to, to cover the three and a half. Um, I think Big Bennett has, you know, he's not lighting it up, I guess, on the, on the stat sheet, but he's playing really uh, effective football. I think the Steelers team is, is really on a roll and so are the Browns, but um, when you have the Steelers and the Browns going against each other, I just trust uh, kind of the name brand to, you know, in, in, in this situation. Are you going to drink Coke or are you going to drink, you know, the, the Kirkland brand? You know, gonna, yeah, exactly. You know, so um, not to get too coward, here, you know, here here on the beach, <laughs> but um, uh, I just trust the Steelers and, and Tomlin and a little sneaky revenge game, even though they're probably not saying it in the pressers with the whole Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph incident last year. Uh, I, I just like the Steelers to, to really control things and, and go minus three or cover the minus three and a half uh, against the Browns. Yeah, I'm all the way with you, man. I'm all the way with you here, Clep. And, you know, I definitely got to tip my cap to what uh, Stefanski is doing in Cleveland with the Browns. Um, definitely exceeding expectations with the 4-1 and record through five weeks. That's that's awesome for Cleveland. But, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, the Colts, I think, was the, definitely their most impressive win. And a little bit of a coming out party for the Browns to say, hey, we're a contender. We can beat a team that we're a slight underdog to, you know, uh, on the road. No, it wasn't on the road. But still, uh, beating a team that you're a slight underdog to and, you know, uh, asserting yourself as, as, as one of the better teams record-wise in the league. Um, but, man, the Steelers are buzzing right now. And I think Mike Tomlin's got those guys locked in. Roethlisberger, like you said, playing effective. Um, Chase Claypool, obviously, the whole world's talking about, the whole football world is talking about Chase Claypool and what he did last week. I don't necessarily think that's like a sign of things to come where he's going to be, you know, Mapletron for the rest of the season. But um, I totally think he's a viable option, another viable option through the through the air for this Steelers team. Um, and I think that they just are a more dynamic team, a more physical team. Cleveland will be able to run the ball only so much, I think, against the Steelers defense. And I expect Baker to turn the ball over once, if not twice. And when you do that against a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, your chance of winning is not very high. So ultimately, I think if they played this game 10 times, the Steelers would win seven or eight. Um, and for that reason, I, I, I'm laying the three and a half. Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet because I pretty much agree with everything you guys just said. Um, Lee, you kind of took the words right out of my, out of my mouth. Um, and despite the fact that I've been, you know, kind of the, the half, half, in, half foot, foot half in the lake believer of the Cleveland Browns this year, Hugh Jackson jumping the lake. Yeah, <laughs> Hugh Jackson jumping the lake. I wasn't even thinking about that. That's a, had to had to cleanse himself. I'm I'm half cleanse on the Browns. You know, I I saw the upside, but 
Lee, you talked about it. I just think this comes down to Baker turning the ball over, especially I believe he's dealing with a rib injury right now, and he said, Mom ain't raised no wuss. Good for you, Baker, but you know, you're going to be getting hit a lot uh, early and often. TJ Watt, but maybe, maybe shout out your guy, your guys' former coach, Tao Gage, maybe the best edge edge defender in the in the NFL right now. Shout out Tao, man. We, we he called was, him he draft was a big, night. He said, I want Watt. He, he draft night, he said, I want TJ Watt. Yep. I mean, the man. Get that, get that man in the front office for sidebar. Who did Bob Quinn pick that night? Jared Davis. Frank Ragnow? Was it Jer- was it Davis or Ragnow? It was one of Jared them. Davis. Jared Davis. Either I way, Watt was, was, was the pick. Ragnow. Yeah, Jared. Jared, healthy scratch, Davis. That's what I'm going to start calling him. <laughs> hey, if, hey if, if Jared Davis played Nate Jerry snaps, uh, Jerry would be one one spot higher. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not much to uh, not much to add. <laughs> South Dakota Snake. You boys, you boys hey, Logan Wilson with um, the pick. We didn't talk about that. Hey, Steelers minus three and a half. Take it to the bank. Um, Houston and Tennessee, AFC South, getting after it. Uh, Tennessee coming off a big win against the Bills. They crushed them. Uh, they're minus four at home against the Texans. There will be fans in Nissan Stadium. Once again, uh, the Texans really struggled to beat the Jags, uh, even though the score really doesn't say so. That game was close for, for a good majority of it. Um, as much as Bill O'Brien leaving the team, I think, you know, kind of helps them loosen up a little bit. Um, as much as, you know, maybe we talked a little pregame about the, the Titans and, you know, feigning adversity for what was probably COVID-19 violations on their team. I think with Rabel, they just have a really strong culture uh, and, and an identity as a football team, which uh, the Texans r- truly don't have with Hopkins leaving and, and David Johnson not doing anything since uh, the week one game against the Chiefs. So um, uh, I'll take the Titans, you know, even with the, the minus four. Uh, I just think that overall they have a better feel for who they are as a football team uh, than, than the Texans do. Yeah, um Part of me like really likes the Texans plus four, but like I, I don't like that I like that. I guess is is where I'm at right now. Like Watson has kind of impressed you to know, make you feel like he's going to be like Superman, which you know maybe isn't all on no, him. No, he hasn't. Still. He hasn't. You know these AFC South divisional games are always tough, but honestly, when push comes to shove, the reality is that I think this is a rattlesnake year for the Texans. They're shedding their skin. I like uh, they got to get out. They got to get that skin off. They got Bill O'Brien out. They know they have some weapons, but the season is a little bit over. I mean, I guess they could give a, a little, do a little CPR this week with a division win over the Titans. But like you said, the the identity, the culture, it's tough to pick against in Tennessee, man. I mean, they looked really good against Buffalo. You know, part of that is Josh Allen coming landing and coming coming back down to earth and not playing like an MVP player that I don't really think he is. Um, and the other part of it is just the Tennessee Titans like doing what they do, um, and I think that that's gonna a little bit more of that is gonna happen on Sunday, and Houston is going to be searching for a new head coach, possibly Byron Leftwich, this offseason. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know why I like the Texans plus four, so I'm just gonna push that feeling away and say lay the four with the Titans, because it's just a safer move. Yeah, I think the Titans are going to win, but I think four might be a little too much. I think the Texans could be able to play up to their competition. But that being said, it's kind of like you, Lee. I just like have like, oh, man, Titans plus four are – I don't know if I said Titans, but Texans plus four 
seems, you know, enticing, but I'm pretty sure up until last week, I mean, the Texans had the worst run defense in the in the NFL. That's why I was always hammering the running backs who played them in DFS. And you've got the Titans whose whole complete offensive philosophy revolves around them being able to run the ball and then work and play action off of that. And then on defense, um, you guys are right to point out that Watson, you know, just hasn't been able to recreate the same magic this year. How much of that is due to Nuke or how much of that is due to just an awful situation around him, I think kind of remains to be seen. Um, so I guess I'm with you, Lee. I'm going to push away my uh, initial instincts to like the Texans plus four and just kind of hammer the Titans. And this is kind of why I like them throughout the offseason to, to win the AFC South is because I think they had the highest floor in the division. And I think they're presenting that with their ability to run the ball and play solid defense and the uh, discipline for the most part under Vrabel. Let's move on to the AFC East matchup, which we probably don't have to spend enough, you know, too much time on. The Jets are visiting the Dolphins in a rescheduled or just a you know differently scheduled, I guess, week six football game. And I don't even know how much we have to get into just like the pure matchup of this. I just find it like funny that the Dolphins of all teams are you know minus nine. Um, that seems like a crazy line, but still, like if I had to choose, I guess I'd pick the Dolphins minus nine. Like I'm not gonna put money on it. But are you guys like feeling the same way against a, a Flacco led Jets team that lost by twenty to the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean it's so hard to push against you, but I'm going to because right when the right when you think the Dolphins are world beaters is when Fitzpatrick throws three picks and they win on like a game winning field goal against the Jets. So I'm totally I wouldn't advise my worst enemy to bet on this game, but if I had to, honestly, I'd just take the Jets at the nine. Um, I, I the cart the the Cardinals were a ten last week, I think, and they steamrolled the Jets. I don't think the Dolphins are the Cardinals. Um, I don't think Fitzpatrick is going to start all of a sudden consistently playing like, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL like he looked like last week against San Francisco. And I think this defense is going to eat up on the Jets, but I I just yeah, would not be – I honestly would be more comfortable taking the nine points with the Jets than laying the nine with Miami just because I just – it just doesn't seem right. Like so punt? I'll pick the Dolphins. wager in this game? Like seven and a half. Would you go like over under seven? You got to get an off. You got to get a wild offshore to find that. I do want to say though, uh, and fantasy aside, I'm really impressed by Miles Gaskin. But like, I just did not expect this Miami Dolphins backfield to be the way that it was. And uh, he's young, and you know, I didn't really think that he would be that good coming out of Washington. I thought he was more of like a college running back. And I'm not saying, you know, he very well may get replaced in the draft or something, but for the role, he's taken the role they've given him and, like, kind of run with it, and I'm impressed by that. I mean, he's he's really uh, he's really making the most of it. So, shout out Gaskin. Flores just continues to prove that he's everything that, you know, we might have thought Patricia was going to be. I think he's he's the good example, along with Vrabel, of implementing the, the Patriots uh, kind of culture and, and scheme. Obviously, Vrabel has Derrick Henry, but... Like you said, with Gaskin, and, and they have Breida, and I guess Jordan Howard's a healthy scratch now. That but, defense too, man. Well, yeah, like, that's well, at every level. Well, that's why I was going to push back against what you, once you said, Lee, is because everything that you just said makes sense in terms of like value and taking good numbers, like the Jets plus nine. But Fitzpatrick is going to tear the Jets apart because their defense is awful. And what's the guy Brett Ripien tore the Jets' defense apart, and he was even through two picks and a pick six, and they still beat the Jets outright. I just think the Jets are such a dumpster fire right now. And like you just said, with the de- and then on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins' defense is going to have no trouble. I think they're looking like a top 15 unit, especially compared to the Cardinals and the Broncos, who the Jets have played the last two weeks. 
are going to have no trouble really containing Flacco, and Flacco is not dynamic at all. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I completely agree with you, Lee, that eventually we'll see the Fitzpatrick kind of, the Fitzmagic game that will end kind of his streak, but it's not going to happen this week against the Jets because outside of Quinn and Williams, really, the Jets have no playmakers on defense, and their secondary Quinn is Quinn Williams hasn't even been awful. that good either. He's been good. He's been solid. Quinn Williams, is, he's had a, a, a pretty good year, I'd say. The, I think this is the best matchup of Week 6, and that's the Packers visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it's, it's a straight-up pick em. It's there there's no, uh, there's no line for it. And uh, I'm leaning Green Bay just because of what they've shown. I think Tampa, you know, their faults haven't been so much with Brady. Uh, I think that they're somewhat undisciplined. They... You know, give up you know too many penalties and, and just do too many mistakes and a lot of drops on offense and uh, I feel more comfortable siding with just the the wagon that has been the Packers so far this year. Over under is at fifty five. I would even you know lean over there uh, as well, despite how you know good the Packers or how good the Bucks defense has played uh, so far this year. Um, I don't know. I'm leaning Packers, but uh, this will be a fun game to watch. Only two afternoon games, which. Just sucks for for the us red zone people, but um, I'm I'm leading Green Bay. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, man. Um, Tampa Bay that loss on Thursday night to Chicago yeah, was, was like, I don't know. It felt like one of those losses that like kind of changes the course of a season for you. Well, and, what's interesting too is that they like um, lose this game, they're three and three, right? Like, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like a playoff caliber team wins that game, I think. Um, and I know what's on the road on Thursday night. The Packers, the Buccaneers have a short week, but or sorry, a long week after Thursday night. But the Packers are coming off a bye, so uh, you know I think that's kind of a wash. And I don't know, man. I just like the the Buccaneers are kind of banged up. Um, Godwin's coming you know, back, I believe, this week, but they still have injuries. Granted, at, you know Mike Evans yeah, is banged yeah. up. They're banged up, man. They're banged up, and. Um, Vita Vea, huge yeah, loss for them. Terrible. I think yeah. you could maybe even make an argument that he was playing the best out of anyone on their defense this year. Um, so that's a guy who they're definitely going to sorely miss. And, you know, uh, man, the Packers are just, like you said, a wagon clap. Like, uh, I honestly wouldn't be, even be that surprised if the Packers, like, get off to a 14 nothing lead in this game. Like, it, it starts to get, like, kind of ugly because I just think they're all around a better team. And... The Buccaneers, man, the past two weeks, like, even if you want to go before the Bears game, like that Chargers game, and I know the Chargers are kind of frisky, but not really overly impressive in that game either. So um, I had a lot of high expectations for the Buccaneers this year, and it wasn't like a big Brady, you know, celebration. It was more so just Arians has a competent quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over. This young, scrappy defense has another year to develop, and there's weapons all over the place. And, then, you know, that's only kind of been like 60% true. So... Um, this is a phenomenal spot for the Buccaneers to step up and be like, yeah, no, we are a playoff team. We're going to beat the Packers at home. We're going to take care of business. So I'll be looking for them to do that. I'll be rooting for them. Like I, you know, I'd rather see them that win than the Packers win. But right now, I mean, it seems like the Packers are playing like one of the best teams in the NFL and, uh, I'm not going to bet against that, man. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought I was going to be on Packers Island for some reason. I don't know if it was because I'm dealing with a couple Lions guys and some guys that were, were big into the Bucks, but I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, 
I don't know, Clep. I kind of lean under just because I think these are two pretty good defenses. And obviously Godwin coming back will be huge. But I just think that, I don't know, 55 is a pretty big number. I'd probably put this more at like, I don't know, 48 or 50. But uh, who knows? I mean, you know, you just don't know right now. And the fact that money, I guess it's a pick em now, but the Packers were minus three, I believe, or minus two kind of throughout the week. Um, so it seems like there's money coming in on the Bucks. Um, so maybe Vegas knows something that we don't, but I'm I'm on the Packers with you guys. I just think they haven't really shown any faults in their game, and um, you know I just think Rodgers is better than Brady, and it kind of comes down to that. And Brady is still having trouble really integrating himself into this offense. I think Godwin's huge for that because he really can get a short passing game going. Um, but you know uh, I think ultimately the Packers are just a little too good for this spot. But Lee, like you said, if they're able to win this game, it would be a huge statement win for them. And probably kind of change their mojo. Tommy, are you going to be uh, making that drive to Vegas circa the hangover at any point? Kind of want to. I need some company. Yeah. Maybe you guys can come out and, uh, well, here's the thing. little short story. I was going to throw, um, I had three, my my three-team season part, I was going to put 35 bucks, my last 35 bucks in Vegas on um, Giants under six and a half, uh, Bears under eight and a half, which isn't looking that good, and, um, Broncos under eight and a half. Those were the three. That was my parlay, and I was going to go back out there to collect my two hundred bucks if it came through. But, but yeah, that's a side. That's a side note. So I probably won't be doing that trip. But if you guys want to come out, I'd be down to make the four hour trip out to Vegas. Um, I was telling Lee, I would love to get out there Saturday night, maybe go out a little bit, have a nice time. But really Sunday, hammer down, hit the sports book early, ten a.m. kickoff. We'll get there eight thirty nine with a coffee in our hand. And just start playing the books. Start playing the books and trying to make some money. Sounds like a dream. And then get out. Sounds like a dream. Yeah. Uh, Rams at 49ers. And uh, Jimmy G has been practicing this week. He was pulled uh, last week after halftime. Uh, after a brutal two-pick performance in the first half. Uh, I'm signing with the Rams here. As much as I didn't like them in the preseason, they're just showing so far uh, that they're a solid team. They're minus three and a half on the road. But... You know, no fans in, in Santa Clara. Even the announcers have to wear masks there. So uh, I'm, I'm rolling with the Rams uh, as they travel up north. Yeah, uh, the Rams really should win this game, but I'm, I'm going with uh, Big Brain Shanahan, right. Mr. Like Big Brain. If you're Mr. Big Brain and you're the elite coach, you got to win this game. I mean, the division is is too difficult. You're in the best division in football. You just lost to the Dolphins. You lost to the Eagles. Your quarterback's back. Um, you sat him in the second half last week because, you know, you didn't want him to get bang up his ankle anymore. Um, start implementing the, a few more weapons on that offense. Get, you know, Debo Samuels back. Get him a little bit more involved. Mostert is healthy. Um, and, you know, this, the, the cornerback and the secondary play for the 49ers has been just really, really, really bad. And I know there's only so much Shanahan can do about that. But, hey, control the time of possession and – Expose Jared Goff. I mean, they're familiar with this Rams team, and this is a game that the 49ers absolutely need to win. I mean, their schedule is not getting any easier the next few weeks. Primetime home game. Um, I'll back Shanahan and the Niners here. Yeah, uh, this game is tough for me because um, I don't really know what to think. Last year, I don't know if you guys remember on the, the 49ers' march to the Super Bowl, that game against the Rams where they just completely destroyed them was kind of their statement win to the NFL that kind of, you know, legitimized them 
um, after the Rams had kind of, you know, they went to the Super Bowl the year before. And a large part of that was just the Rams, you know, really below below average offensive line going up against Bosa and Ford and all that. And obviously Bosa isn't there anymore, but I still think that they're going to be, can, they can be able to get pressure on Goff. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to back the, the 49ers, but I definitely think the value is there. And I kind of just agree with Lee that this is a must win for them. And Garoppolo is due for, you know, a, a bounce back game against a Rams defense that is pretty solid. But I think with Shanahan's schemes um, and under his tutelage, I think it can be exposed. And like you said, Lee, control the clock with the run game if they're able to neutralize Aaron Donald to a certain extent as much as that, you know, is possible. Um, I think the, you know, the game script is there. And I kind of am just siding with the 49ers because everything about the Rams this season, you know, they should win this. I mean, the Rams have played much better than the 49ers up until this point. So I kind of like the 49ers like Lee um, and kind of a back against their wall spot. This next game, uh, I think, became a lot more interesting uh, with both of these teams losing last week. The Bills obviously just losing last night against uh, the Titans and the Chiefs losing to the Raiders. Both of these teams are, are you know, I think – you know, obviously playoff um, bound in the AFC, but to the degree of which they are contenders for the Super Bowl, I think, especially on the Bills side, remains to be seen. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs just because of the way that their offense can score and also Josh Allen kind of being the Josh Allen of the past two years that we have seen uh, in that game against Tennessee is a little worrisome for me. I mean, he had been playing at a kind of ridiculous level that, uh, but still with some of the Josh Allen ups and downs uh, that we've come to know, come to know. So uh, just based off of what happened against the Tennessee Titans, maybe I'm overreacting too much to that game, but uh, I'll, I'll stick with kind of the known quantity that is the Kansas City Chiefs minus four uh, at Buffalo on the early Monday night side. I like the Chiefs minus four yeah. a lot, man. I, uh, I'm i a hater, man. I'm a Josh Allen hater. It's never going to change. Um, I think, yeah, he was playing – he was putting up like astronomical numbers the first few weeks. But if you watch the games, there were still some very, very evident mental lapses and um, errant plays that are just cons- – have been consistent, I'm sure, since you could throw on the peewee tape with Josh Allen, and I'm sure he was making those plays. It's just kind of the type of player he is, which is why Buffalo loves him, and it's part of the reason why he's so good. Um, for them. But ultimately, man, the Chiefs are angry coming off that loss. I know they are. I know Tyron Matthews going to get after those guys on defense and Mahomes is going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder. The only thing that scares me away a little bit is the fact that this game is in Buffalo. You know, when you're playing in Buffalo, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, lay the four. I think the Chiefs won by a touchdown or more. I think the Bills are kind of, like I said earlier in the podcast, they're, they're, they're going to go as Josh Allen goes. And if Josh Allen is playing like an MVP player, they're going to win. Um, but if he's not, they're going to land and they're not going to be as efficient as they have been. And really, if you look at it, I mean, I think the most impressive win for Buffalo was the Raiders. And, you know, the Raiders are a tough team. Obviously, they just beat the Chiefs. But the wins against the, the close wins against the Dolphins and uh, I'm Blanking out on who else they've beaten, but Jets. I know it was the Jets, the Jets week one, but who the other team is. Um, they haven't really been like overly impressive to me. Um, and, you know, I think that the Bills are kind of um, like, to be honest, I think they're kind of like a middling team, like 13th or 14th best in the NFL wearing the clothes of a top 10 team right now. Um, and 
for that reason, I think the Chiefs are a bona fide number one, number two team in the league, and I'll lay the four with them. Yeah, um, not much more to add here. I think, you know, if the Chiefs had beaten the Ram, I mean the uh, the the Raiders, I could probably be talked into a potential. You know, this is where they get their first loss against the Bills on the road. But I think the fact that they kind of played as, at least to me, kind of from Mahomes' perspective, it was a little arrogant. Um, they, you know, they had that swagger about them, and and you know, it looked like they kind of got a little bit too close to the sun against the Raiders, and and they got burned finally. But I just love them in this spot coming back. Um, you know, I think the Bills are, you know, these are two of the best teams in the AFC. The Bills are probably the fourth best team in the AFC, maybe the third best team in the AFC. Um, they have business being in this game, but I think having, you know, the Chiefs at three and a half, four, whatever it's at, I think is just too good. And the fact that they lost to the Raiders, um, you know, the onus is on them to kind of bounce back. And I just don't think the Bills have the pieces on defense to really limit this Chiefs passing attack and offense. Tommy, you are the Cowboys insider. Monday yep. night in the Jerry Dome, Cardinals coming to town, and you guys are plus two. You're underdogs at home. How do you feel about Andy Dalton uh, with this team, uh, the defense going up against this uh, Cardinals offense who, you know, went up against the Lions and, and you know, did three turnovers, so not like they're world beaters yep. on offense necessarily. Uh, what do you feel about your team being, you know, home dogs this week? Yeah, I mean, I know I know people who listen to this podcast know the NFL, but but Dak Prescott broke his ankle, and we're going with Dan, Andy Dalton from this point forward. And, you know, this is why you signed Andy Dalton. And you know what? This is actually, you know, Lee and I had a very spirited debate back in April about Dak Prescott and why you signed Dak Prescott or why you don't sign Dak Prescott. And I don't think I'm strawmanning you, Lee, by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but we're about to see what the alternative to Dak Prescott is. And I think Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton is a uh, starting-level co- uh, quarterback with, with weapons, with requisite weapons. I don't think that Dak Prescott is a huge upgrade over him, but I do think that this Cowboys team, the makeup of them, doesn't really change that much. Um, Dak Prescott definitely can make more big plays than Andy Dalton and is for sure a better quarterback in you know, I'm now resigned to the point where, like, I don't want another quarterback than Dak. I don't want to trade up, and, you know, I guess it will depend on the prospect, but if you're picking in the 18 to 26 range, I think Dak Prescott at $40 million, $45 million a year is your best option right now. And we're going to see what this, and, you know, they have all the weapons. CeeDee Lamb has been one of the best receivers in the NFL this year. Mari Cooper still is what he is. Clep, your boy, your boy Michael Gallup. Is still a really good NFL receiver. You got three ones on offense, and you got Zeke Elliott. Um, and I think that Andy Dalton, we saw what he was able to do in Cincinnati in 2015 or whatever it was, when obviously they lost in the pl- in the playoffs. But you had AJ Green, um, Marvin Jones, and uh, there's another receiver that I'm probably missing. But you gave him weapons, and they were able to compete. So again, I don't. I'm not saying oh, exactly. Muhammad Sanu. Thank you, Club. I'm not saying, oh, the Cowboys are better now or anything, but I don't really think that this changes their outlook too much other than maybe their big play factor goes down a little bit. Um, Lee was looking like he was having a brain freeze over there. Well, I, I didn't, I'm only looking at Klepp right now on my Skype one Because you said CeeDee Lamb is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and I just think of – when I think of best, I think of like top five to ten, and I just don't think that's CeeDee Lamb's right scratching that ten surface. I think he's definitely a top 15 receiver in the NFL. And I just want to make my last point. Why this total is 55 is beyond me. 
this is an overlook if I've ever seen one. This Cowboys defense is awful. Brought maybe the worst defense in the NFL. The Cardinals defense is also pretty bad and lost Chandler Jones. I just think that there's going to be both of these teams could probably score 30 points um, pretty easily and might, might have 30 points by the third quarter. So if I had to pick a side, I would take the Cowboys plus two just because the Cardinals, um, before the year, I kind of was like, oh, man, I feel like we might just be a year early on the Cardinals, and I think we are. Like I still think they're working out some kinks, and if they beat the Cowboys, I would not be surprised at all. They have all the tools to do it offensively. But I think this is going to be a shootout. And I guess I'll just take the, you know, I'll take the Cowboys in a shootout. 55 is, you know, we're cooling on 55 in the third quarter. So you back that over and you're, you're cooling going into the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, this is probably a field goal game. So maybe the, the Cowboys get burned with a, a late, late minute field goal. But I think this is going to be a, uh, you know, back and forth contest. Yeah. My up clip. Uh, yeah, Tommy, I wasn't like sure what you were saying when it came to our, our disagreement about Dak. Well, we just were kind of talking, you were of the mindset that the Cowboys should move on from Dak and whether that be yeah. trade up to get, you know, whoever in the draft or sign someone. So you're not paying him. It was, I don't know what it was at the time, 35, $40 million because he's yeah. not worth that. And okay. Yeah. And I'm just saying that sure. we're going to find out with Andy Dalton, I think is a nice kind of litmus test for that alternative so totally i i I think that's your spot on and but i also would want to say that like what has dak proven this year besides like being being like putting up good stats like he did last year like when he didn't make the playoffs and was like statistically the best quarterback in the nfl like they're they're one and three they were going to beat the giants probably with or without dak was that dak's fault though i guess I think Dak. No, has I'm, not, I'm not blaming it on him, but you, like record has to mean something, and like Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott, like totally. But he's I, putting you in those positions. But I don't necessarily think like I, unless if I can. I sorry. I would just say because I just want to crystallize my Dak point. Dak has proven to me that he's a top ten quarterback in the NFL now. Like we just talked about Stafford, and you guys were. I'm not going to say making excuses, but it's like oh, there's all these external factors. Like I would rather have Dak than Stafford. If Dak, if the Cowboys don't re-sign Dak and he hits the open market and I'm a team, you know, like Washington or Jacksonville or anyone who misses out on a stud quarterback. I think Dak Prescott has earned the rights. He's never going to be elite probably because he just doesn't have those physical tools. But in terms of being pretty much an elite game manager and in that next tier of, you know, you have your four elite guys or whatever, Tom Brady, you know, Kyler is scratching that surface. And I think Dak belongs in that area. I think there's a gray area between the elite quarterbacks and kind of the rest of the league. And I guess I would – I'm comfortable paying Dak right now is pretty much where I was kind of on the fence for the past year. Like maybe I'm late to the party, but I just think he – you have to pay quarterbacks and, and he's worth paying, I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I mean we can agree that Dak isn't like the problem in Dallas. That's that's for sure. I don't think that's really ever really been the case necessarily. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think Tommy's right on with the Cardinals. I'm not like all over the Cardinals now because they beat the Jets. Like That Panthers game was embarrassing. Um, their defense is bad. The Cowboys' defense is bad. I'm not usually an over-under guy, but yeah, over 55 seems like that's kind of odd, um, especially in this year of, of, of the over. Uh, I'm going to lean Cardinals minus two because – um, whether it be Dak or Andy Dalton, I think Kyler is better, even with him going through his lumps of his sophomore season. And 
I just think that the Cardinals, when it comes down to it, this is kind of a prove it game for the for the Cardinals. And not that it's not for the Cowboys, but man, I mean, the Cowboys have really the Cowboys have done actually nothing to impress me this year. Nothing the Cowboys have done has impressed me this year. Whether it be Dak putting up the numbers he does, Zeke putting up the numbers. I mean, I guess CeeDee Lamb has been impressive, but if he wasn't drafted, there would be someone else that was like probably like playing well. Cedric as Wilson, their number two receiver. You know, like yeah, like their offense just moves. This is kind of just what they do. Um, I think the Tyron Smith loss is huge for them. We we saw the Back Giants kind of get too. after them a little bit. Yeah. So this Cowboys team, man. Beatish, I mean, Beatish is awesome though. Come on, we're draft guys. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. This Cowboys team, there's not a lot to be excited about here, and I would have to say that they're trending in a downward direction along with every other team in their division. Um, and, you know, I'm a Cardinals guy, I guess. I'm a Kyler guy. So maybe a little bit is the emotion here. But Kyler going back to his to his hometown, playing in the uh, in the Dome that he won some state championships in, um, I think he's going to put on a little bit of a show. And I, th- I don't know. I know I said it against the Lions, and I'm going to say it again here. I just don't really see how the, the Cowboys are going to contain Kyler, and maybe he'll turn the ball over once, but I don't think he's going to have a, a multi-turnover game. Um, and I expect the Cardinals to, to win this one. Fair enough, Lee. Uh, that, that basically wraps up the show, but uh, before we say goodbye, Tommy, I just wanted to talk to you about your lick. Um, because yep. I liked the approach you took this week. You kind of took it as a, as a positive. Whereas, you know, you know, yeah. we, I think my, my second lick, I, I was playing Marvin's Room down in the dumps a little bit. Chris Sarkeesian went, like, you know, the silent film route. He didn't even say a word. And he just, <laughs> he just took his punishment. And, 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 and you know, you were, you were out there blasting some music, you know, pumping up, pumping your chest a little bit. Uh, just, what, what, what went into that? And, you know, how did you kind of spin it positive as it is, uh, you know, a punishment? Well... It's for sure a punishment. Let's let's not let that get lost in the enthusiasm that I had during it because it was awful. Um, like I said, I mean, obviously, if you're not in, in the group chat, you're probably going to hear But like I said, it's not the beer, it's the shots. It's the shots that get you. The beer is easy, especially when you're slurking down Pacifico in a full lime. I got, you can't, you know, viewers can't see it, but I got a full, probably 20-ounce, uh, you know, whatever mug. they're called, whatever beer mug. Thank you, Clep. Glass mug. And I put a whole lime in that boy, and then I put a 24-ounce Pacifico in it, all right? And that's Gatorade. It's legit lemon-lime Gatorade. Um, I kind of feel like Ryan Whitney, Pink Whitney fame, because it's just – it's my go-to. It's my go-to, and I wish I could monetize it. But, I mean, it just – you know, it was a punishment, but it turned into something positive because, you know, maybe – I knew I had to do something. And like you said, Chris went completely like – it looked like he murdered his whole family and was drinking cyanide. That was his – that was his route. So I had I had my Tom Hype playlist coming on, and, and Selah, Selah came on by Kanye West off his new album. And that's a song that when I'm shooting hoops and I listen to it, I can't miss. So I had that energy coming in, and I was and I was doing my drinks. And I, I feel good about my team. We had a down week, but, you know, I think I'm going to make the playoffs, and it's all about making the dance. That's all that matters in fantasy. You make the dance, you're in the dance. So I got to say, Cinderella, baby. Lee, any thoughts on the Dynasty League that you want to share? Um, it's been awesome, man. It's been really, really great. Um, yeah, at whole league's three and two. Love yeah. to see it, man. Whole league besides besides Danner and uh, 
you know, I don't, I'm not usually one to look ahead. I'm a week by week guy, but I got Dana next week. And, um, him and I, him and I have a bit of a rivalry. He's 0-2 against me. Uh, so yeah, one of those was a playoff mud bowl. I like to call it where we were in the playoffs and we combined for like 118 points. So, um, Danner can say what he wants about his record and about the sweet D thing. Those, those nut, his nutsack shrivels back up into his stomach when he sees John Gooch on the other side of the fantasy lineup. That's all I got to say. And you can check, you can check the receipts. Uh, on our matchups ever since 2012 Yahoo Fantasy Championship when I beat him and I was overseas when it happened and that was the only fantasy championship I won alright so that's what I gotta say about the Dynasty League 2014 yeah and I wanna say one more thing Clep boy would I love to see Gondo take oh, away oh yeah that would just be that would just that be in pr- I, I wouldn't know what Gondo looked like if he gave me well, you're about to know. You're about to know. You, you got you now. You got a little more motivation to get that W. Oh man, yeah. I mean, great league. I mean, you know, the champions won in four. That's a sign of a, a great league of parity. Yeah. Yeah, man. So going up against Hungry Gale. Oh, that's frisky Gale. Frisky Gale. A frisky Gale. Devonta Freeman is just hidden, hidden midseason form with the Giants. He's, he's just due for a 23-burger, you know? Get Gale to, uh... Watch what you're saying, man. You remember who they're playing this week. A 23-burger uh, yeah. puts you in the pit, boy. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And, uh, of course, congratulations to Lee. 2,000 points. Yeah, man. I'm honored. I'm honored to be a part of the league. And, uh, like Tommy was saying, I think Tommy should be confident. And I think you should be confident. I think any, I think everybody should be confident in their team and in, in, in their managerial status. And, you know, that's why Hutton is such a show for tanking because it's like, dude, you easily could be in the three and two conversation right now. Um, very, very easily. So uh, shout out Hutton Shill Baker, who's going to keep emphasizing text messages in the group chat like a little small man because he's got nothing to actually say for himself. He's just going to emphasize what other people are saying because he doesn't. Have, we should just kick him out of the group until after the draft, man. That's my two cents. Yeah. All right, boys. Um, great, great yucking out. And Lee, you should uh, send me one of our old intros. So I can slap it on the sink instead of stupid intro. Oh yeah, man. My bad. I gotta, I gotta get that done. Throw the Quinn, do throw the Quinn one on there. Throw that Quinn, that Quinn intro. It's like playing Madden. Trying to get some fantasy. Or some, or some. Some, some the, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Alrighty. Q stay scheming.